the event we call the Transfiguration from the Gospel of Luke. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but when they were fully awake, they saw his glory. And the two men who stood with him, just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent. And in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. The Transfiguration is the epiphany par excellence. That's why we get it at the end of the season, I think. It began, as we said, with the season began with the coming of the Magi, an ordinary birth of a child, if you can describe one as that, becomes extraordinary. The infinite is revealed in time. One way of describing an epiphany. The universal appearing in the particular. Deeper connection is revealed. That's what epiphany is all about. Light shone in darkness. We sometimes describe them as aha moments, don't we? Ah, I think I get, I grasp it. Not everything. This moment, for now, I grasp it. And the Bible, of course, is full of epiphanies. Moses at the burning bush, an ordinary event. He's herding sheep. And a bush appears to be on fire. Paul, on an ordinary journey, albeit a a dangerous and terrible one, to persecute followers of Jesus. On an ordinary journey, suddenly struck by light on the road to Damascus. And there's many, many others. They're just two of the most famous. One of the elements of an epiphany is that it comes in the middle of an ordinary day, an ordinary life, the ordinariness of things. And this is the case here. Jesus takes James and John and Peter and go up to the mountain to pray, which is what Jesus does a lot, particularly in the Gospel of Luke. They always prayed, all the time. And they're often going away by himself usually, but sometimes with other disciples. Now we sometimes make these epiphanies like the story of Moses and the bush and like uh, Paul and the, as to be extraordinary events that could never happen to an ordinary person like you or I they've become sort of mythical 
in our life. And they are amazing. As much as for what happened afterwards in those two events, for example, as to what happened in the event itself. But they do come in the middle of ordinariness. Moses herding sheep, Paul travelling, Jesus and the disciples while praying. But in the moment of ordinariness, in normal life, something becomes luminous. This text says, the appearance of his face, Jesus' face, changed and his clothes became dazzling white. It's as if the true essence of the world is on show for a moment. And the true essence of the world is light. What's the first thing we hear God say in Genesis? Let there be light. And there was. And then later there was day and night and God looked at it and said, it's good. Luke has Jesus saying that we are all children of light. That the idea in another part of Luke of your whole body being filled with light and full of light. It's as if in this moment of transfiguration you can get a glimpse of the world the way it really, really, truly is. In the Gospel of John it's all about light. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. The true light which enlivens everyone it says in John, is coming into the world. The true essence of the world is light. You, it turns out, are full of light. In fact, you're really made of light. Everything is made of light. Everything is made of the results of the Big Bang, which is about as big a light as we could ever imagine. And of course, we can't imagine. We can't even imagine our sun, which turns out whilst the centre of our solar system is not a big deal in our galaxy, and it's certainly not a big deal in our universe, it's just one of a millions and millions of kind of ordinary stars. The whole thing is made of light. So first of all, an epiphany opens up the door and you go, whoa, wait a minute, everything I thought I knew, just give me a minute, I'm going to have to rethink it all. It makes sense of the world in a new way. Moses and Elijah turn up. That doesn't mean anything to you and I. But it does if you're a Jew, because Moses and Elijah represent the two main bits of what makes up Judaism. The law, Moses, and the prophets, Elijah. They're the kind of exemplars. They're the kind of, if you use those names, you're saying something about the wholeness of culture. It becomes something that makes sense across time, not just in that moment. It, it's personal. If you pick up one of those little flowers on the way out that we had on the screen, it's a personal moment. But it's connected to something much bigger and much deeper than you. And you find in a moment of epiphany that you are deeply connected to everything, which is both extraordinary and mind-blowing and disconcerting, but also deeply powerful. The other element of, a, of an epiphany that transfiguration is the exemplar of, 
is that it doesn't last very long. It's momentary. You have a moment. You're sitting watching the sunset that you've done a hundred times before and for this moment, on this day, for all kinds of reasons, some of which you can analyse and some of which you never can, you start weeping or laughing or you're just so profoundly moved that you can't say anything. Why this night and not last? There's been a sunset every night of your life. Why this one? It's momentary. It may not be there tomorrow night. You go to the same spot and you sit watching the same, well, obviously a different sunset, but the same event, and it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It's momentary. When the voice had spoken, the voice that said, this is my son, listen, Jesus was found alone. It was all gone. It can be fleeting and hard to grasp, but maybe that's the point. Maybe the point is not to grasp it, not to organise it, not to say, right, okay, there's Moses here, there's Elijah here, there's Jesus here, um, we'll build three booths and we'll make... And He didn't know what he was saying. He wanted to organise it. He wanted to make it real in a, in a concrete way. He wanted to build a monument. You can't, it's fleeting and you can't grasp it. In fact, sometimes you can have a moment of epiphany that as you begin to tell somebody else about it, it sounds silly. It was sort of a non-event. One that happened in my life, I've probably babbled about this many times before. I was in a, a, a church service of some sort and I don't know why I was there, anything about it, except that the person in front of me had a small baby and put the baby on his or her shoulder, as you often do, and the baby looked down and then looked up, and I'm right here, about this far away, and gave me the most wonderful smile I've ever seen. It might not have been, but it is now, because it's become big in my mind. And I don't know where I was at that point, I don't know what was going on, but I just started to cry. I just felt like somebody had blessed me. But as I tell you, it just sounds silly. Who cares? Who cares what it sounds like? It it can't be contained. It can't be managed. It can't be controlled. It can't even be explained. It just is. And Peter gives it a good go, trying to organise it, trying to explain it, trying to nail it down. But it disappears. And maybe that's okay. Because all we need to do is be awake to it. Now, Jesus, now Peter and his companions were heavy with sleep. Now in all the great fairy stories and all through the Bible, if somebody's asleep, it's because they're clueless. They don't really know what's going on. They're missing the big story. It's like in the pantomimes. He's behind you. That's, what's, that's what sleep always means in all the great stories. We know that. Sleeping beauty, we understand but when they were fully awake, what happened then? They saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. So does that mean that Moses and Elijah were there in whatever there means in this kind of mysterious visionary experience? And Jesus was there, but these blokes didn't see it until they woke up. So something is going on. But you don't see it because you're half asleep. You're sleepwalking through the world. If we don't, if we don't, if we're not awake to the possibility of epiphany, 
then epiphany won't happen. Now, it will happen, but we just won't notice it. So those little flowers will keep falling off that tree, whether you care or not. Whether we just trample all over them, as we do most of the time, and drive our cars on them, it doesn't matter. They'll keep coming. The only thing missing is you and I not experiencing the joy, the connection, the wonder, which actually turns out to be a lot missed, doesn't it? It's a lot missed. They saw his glory, it said. And seeing, of course, is all the way through the Gospel of Luke. It's all about, if, if you could say one thing about this Gospel of Luke, it might be the, the, sub, the, the, the heading, if it was in the newspaper, is, Wake up! It's happening now. It's going on around you in this moment. It's going on in you in this moment. If you don't see it, it'll still keep happening. But you won't live it. You won't enjoy it. You can love somebody, but it's a whole lot better if you kiss them and hug them. Does it change that you do love them more when you kiss them and hug them? Well, no, but doesn't it feel good? That's what's going on here. And all the way through the Gospel of Luke. It's possible, it seems, in the Gospel of Luke to see but not really see. To hear and not really hear. When you are awake, an ordinary event, every ordinary event, becomes charged with the possibility of the goodness of God. The interconnectedness of the universe. They saw his glory. Well, what was Jesus' glory? What does that mean? Well, it's a funny word because it gets used all the way through the Bible and it kind of means lots of different things, but it generally seems to figure around the idea of light. The light that is good in Genesis, the rainbow that appears at the end of the flood for Noah, the burning bush for Moses, the light that blinds Paul for a time, the dazzling light that appears in at the, the dazzling clothes that appear of the young men at the tomb at the resurrection and the dazzling clothes, the dazzling appearance of Jesus in the transfiguration. His clothes are dazzling in the Matthew version, but in ours it's his face. The essential essence of what it means to be human, that Jesus' true nature in this moment is unhidden. You see, we see glory in children all the time. That's, I think, why Jesus keeps saying, if you can't become like a child, you haven't got a clue what's going on. I don't say exactly that, but that's what he means, surely. Because we see it in children, because they don't need to live hidden. They don't need to hide themselves away because of their discomfort or because of their pain or their uncertainty about being accepted or rejected. They just are. Their true nature is unhidden when we disguise ourselves. Let me finish with this quote from Paul. I think Paul grabs this in the second letter to Corinthians. He says, And we all, and we all, with unveiled faces, reflecting the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So be it.